is going on, everybody? My name is Gabe. I'm Matt. And this is the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And today we got something a little special for you. Uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit what we're talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. So today uh, we were actually hoping to save this for our 25th episode. But because that kind of falls in a month where we're just getting slammed with some releases that we really would like to take a listen to, um, what we're actually doing is Gabe and I are actually going to break down our top eight favorite bands. So you might be wondering, well, why not top 10? That seems the most, you know, logical. Well, considering we're the Tentacle Bot podcast and we go off of a tentacle rating, which is typically out of eight, we decided to stay in flavor. So it's going to be our top eight favorite bands. Yeah. And this might be something that we do come back to at some point. So we can like right now we're doing top eight eight favorite artists. Uh, We may come back and do top eight albums, top eight songs. Top eight shows, things like that that we might just sprinkle in throughout the uh, the years down the road and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, we wanted to kind of just do this. Uh, September is going to be massively huge for us. We have slated at this point in time two episodes a week that are going to be coming out. So uh, be on the lookout for those because there's going to be a lot of content coming out. Uh, meaning that you get to hear our voices. <laughs> and that's like of course the best. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're we're gonna go ahead and uh, and kick it off going uh, uh, from. Number eight to number one. So, Matt, why don't you go ahead and kick us off on what's your number eight? Yeah, absolutely. So, number eight, I've actually got to give it to Paramore. Um, I was introduced to these guys late junior high, early high school. Um, and it was actually the song... Um, oh, God. Misery Business? No, it wasn't Misery Business. Um, You're not in the business of misery? <laughs> I'm in the business of misery. Let's take it from the top. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely. Ba- it's the um, it's the song that was in Rock Band. Um, I'm not a Paramore fan, so oh, <laughs> it was it was on the Riot record. So I figured it out. It's that's what you get. Um, it was actually my first introduction. It was on the first Rock Band. Um, and then actually after that is a good friend of mine at the time. Um, had introduced me to the song Crush Crush Crush, which is off of the same record. And from that point, I pretty much just fell in love. The music was something I hadn't listened to before. I grew up with a lot of pop, metal, rock, um, but nothing with this um, like pop punk flavor. So it had a little bit of the punk element, but it was a lot more on the pop side. Um, and Haley Williams, the way she was able to kind of sing the songs over. Um, and her voice isn't like the most serene thing, but her um, kind of soft, clean vocals over a slightly harsher instrumental style um, was something I really gravitated to and listened to them for a number of years. I fell off them a little while, um, but came back to them a couple years ago and kind of refound that love for them. Um, what do you got for number eight? Uh, for number eight, I have the band Emery. Um, so they've been a, a really big staple for me, like they were kind of my first introduction into emo music mm-hmm. and I, I discovered them like around 2009, which is kind of like when everything was blowing up huge and whatnot. Yeah. And they just were phenomenal. I, I loved every second about them. Um, okay. The smile, of the face was the song that introduced me to them and it just kind of went haywire from there. Like I, I fell in love with them. Like it's to the point where I'm going to name my first child after them kind of thing. Really? <laughs> wow. Absolutely. Yes. No, that's awesome. So Matt, if I were to listen to Paramore, what, uh, well, give me your top two albums. What, what would you have me listen to? So the top two albums, the first one I go, I'd throw you at is riot, um, of course. which is absolutely their best, um, record. It's got, that's what you get. It's got misery business. It's got crush, crush, crush on it. Um, the next one is I was actually kind of torn up between this and another one. Um, but I ended up 
up going with Brand New Eyes, um, which was actually the record that followed uh, Riot. Um, and it actually included Brick by Boring Brick, Playing God, um, among a couple of other um, pretty big hits. And so it, that's definitely going to be my go-to for these two. Um, how about for Emery? Uh, so for Emery, the two that I picked is um, the first one is In Shallow Seas We Sail, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a half of a two-part album, effectively. So like okay. they, they released two different albums, uh, one in each different year. Uh, so it was in, in Shallow Seas We Sail with Broken Hearts Prevail. Oh, um, okay. And so uh, in, in Shallow Seas We Sail was my personal favorite of the two. It was like a blend of their heavier and their poppier stuff. It's mm-hmm. what included The Smile of the Face, which was the song that really got me hooked on them. And it just felt like it was really what Emery was at their prime. Okay. Um, then the other one that I have is We Do What We Want, which is by far my favorite album by them. Like it has everything. It has their heavy stuff. It has their their uh, more ballad-esque kind of choruses, the emo staple lyrics. It's just everything that I love about Emery is found in this album. Okay. And so the, the album is We Do What We Want. Love this album to death. It's still something that I regularly play since it came out in 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's been out a little while. Yeah. Um, it sounds an awful lot like there's a few records that I'm going to need you to um, send me names of so that way I can listen to in my personal time, especially for commuting. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but then we'll go ahead and jump into number seven. Uh, what's your uh, seventh pick there, Matt? So number seven, um, this one was actually a pretty easy one to slot right in. It's Thy Art is Murder. Okay. Um, I definitely came in late to the like metalcore deathcore game. Like I wasn't introduced to deathcore until at least a little bit of introduction in like 2009, 2010, but I didn't really get my feet wet and into it until about 2012, um, where a lot of the the big names in Deathcore had already been around a while and had really gained their traction. Um, These guys are probably... The w- when I kind of look at them is they're probably the most deathcore loyal, um, and and when you look at deathcore at you know as death metal and hardcore, I feel like they're the truest to it. They haven't really deviated. They haven't gone more like the black metal side where bands like Carnifex have gone, and they haven't gone the full death metal route where some of the other bands that were kind of in in that genre were at. Um, and I got to give it there. CJ is just an absolute monster of a vocalist. And then the the drumming behind it, it's just killer, honestly. Regarding CJ, so you've seen the meme where it's uh, them at, uh, I think, if it, I can't remember what fest it was, but like where he's got that leopard print shirt and he I like rips it off. I love that video so that much. Shirt, at, at the time of this recording, that shirt is available for purchase that you can buy from Empiricon right now. Get out. <laughs> Dude, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Um, my pick for number seven is going to be Demon Hunter. Um, they were one of the first metal bands that I ever got into. Okay. I, I discovered them in like 2007, shortly after Storm the Gates of Hell released. Um, Storm the Gates of Hell, Summer of Darkness, and the Triptych were just integral into building me as a musician and my entry into heavy music. Okay. And they are, they've changed their style a bit over the years, and it's not a, it, it's not the same style, but at the same time, like it's still a style that I enjoy and Mm -hmm. I appreciate the direction that they're going. Um, But yeah, they just, they've always been a band that I've respected and all the members in it, they've gone to do really cool things and a variety of other projects. Okay. Right on. 
So um, we'll kind of jump into the recommendations. So for Thy Art is Murder, um, Dear Desolation is the first record I recommend. Um, that's going to include uh, Puppet Master is one of the big singles out of that record. Um, but you really start, it was actually after CJ's return. He had kind of stepped away for some time. He was taking care of some personal issues um, and came back. And there was kind of a reinvigoration of him vocally. Um, but you also saw a bit of a difference in the sound. And I think with that is they started pushing a little bit more on the death metal side of the deathcore um, name origin. And then the other one is going to definitely be hate, which mm -hmm. actually includes what I would have to say is their biggest song being reign of darkness. Yeah. Um, and the record's just heavy all the way through. And I just, I got to give them, you know, credit where credit's due. Yeah. Pure strain of hate is also of note on that record. Yeah. And then I'm just going to throw on my one. own personal recommendation. Human target was one of the best releases that they've put out to date. That for one me personally, solid. I love that album. Um, yeah, for me, the uh, the two ones, the the two albums that I have to recommend for Demon Hunter here. Um, the first one's going to be the Triptych, which is a perfect example of old Demon Hunter. It's it's really hard to choose between their older albums. Like it's just it's prime early Christian metal, mm -hmm. and they do a phenomenal job. The uh, the symbol from the Triptych is actually going to be one of the tattoos that I put on my oh, on my leg. Oh yep. So okay. It, it it's just it's a phenomenal album from beginning to end, and it mm -hmm. just is everything about what old Demon Hunter was really about. Uh, then my other one is True Defiance, which is a blend from what their old stuff was to what their newer stuff is becoming. Okay. It's catchy and emotional choruses, but heavy riffs, brutally honest lyrics, and just overall, like it just it feels like it's heavy. Mm -hmm. um, so I, both of those albums are phenomenal. I definitely recommend listening to them. And then when you're done with those, listening to everything else in their discography. That makes sense. And you you've talked very highly about them, and you know even just the the conversations we've had outside the podcast. So it's definitely one of those bands that I definitely want to check out just to you know kind of see what they're all about. Um, with just jumping right into it, number six. Oh man, I love this number six. All right. Oh yeah, I love number I'm, six. I'm, exci I'm excited. So um, number number six is gonna be Oh Sleeper for me. Um, really? Uh, they're another one of the first bands that I got into. That like, okay. When it comes to the the heavy side of things, um, the sheer ferocity in their music and their lyrics is just unparalleled in in really anything that's coming out. Um, they just have mind blowing riffs, lead lines, and they're just made they just made for something that began to mold me as a young musician mm -hmm. and they've continued to hold my heart throughout that entire process. No, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And I heard one, I know you recommended one of their records. I can't remember which one it was, but I'll they're, get into they're it. solid. <laughs> um, number six for me is this is old school. We're talking Van Halen. Okay. Van Halen's number six. So, um, you, I think you kind of know to some extent, Gabe, but like I can, pick up a guitar and make it look like I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm not, I can maybe play a couple of riffs and, um, you know, make it look like I kind of know what I'm doing, but not really. Um, Van Halen was the band that made me want to ever pick up a guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, it's when I kind really, when I look at what I would like to do as a guitar player is I look at Van Halen as pretty much the peak. Um, I mean, songs like Eruption immediately is one of the, as a guitar player, is that it's just kind of seen as like, this is what you want to achieve. And then you just listen to his guitar playing in other hit songs. Um, even the little bit that he plays in Jump, um, you can go into Panama, um, Ain't Talking About Love. There's just all the different riffs and the, the styles that Eddie was able to play. Um, it's, just unbelievable and 
rest in peace to the really the guitar god um and he's you know i definitely wasn't real happy about hearing that news yeah absolutely uh in regards to your recommendations for van halen what would you recommend as the the two albums that so you would pick? the first one i recommended is van halen um their first record it came out in 1978 um and it it includes a lot of the big hits um you're gonna see ain't talking about love eruption um i believe panama was on that one a lot of the really big hits you'll actually get atomic punks on that record as well mm. um really solid um and then the other record is as kind of a cop-out is i ended up picking the best of both worlds and what that ended up being was kind of a compilation of hits between uh, the david lee Roth era as well as the Sammy Hagar era mm. so you get a little bit of each of those so it's kind of a cop-out but um what one of the issues that I'm kind of trying to, to mend now that I'm older is actually listening to records in their entirety whereas a kid or when I was younger I was just sitting there just grabbing you know singles and kind of stuff like that so um that's what made this part bit a little bit harder and that's why I definitely wanted to recommend best of both worlds just to get um the David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar eras Okay, right on. Yeah, for me, for uh, for O Sleeper, the two records that I have, the first one is going to be Son of the Morning, uh, which is probably the one that I recommend to you. That sounds familiar. Um, it's the album that really put them on the map. Uh, mm. It was their second album. The first one is When I Am God. Uh, but this one here, it was a concept album detailing the final battle between Satan and God, and it's okay. just home to some of my favorite O Sleeper songs. It's heavy as all get out. The lyrical content is just beautifully poetic and so mm. rage-filled, and I love it. And it's the uh, the song "Son of the Morning," which is uh, the the title track on the album, was the first song that I ever heard by O Sleeper. Oh wow! And okay. was the one that just set me on this path for shredding guitars. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, the other one is uh, so their album "Children of Fire." Uh, mm -hmm. So this one is just filled to the brim of anger, fire, and everything that just makes this band amazing. Uh, Hush Yael is a standout song, and Children of Fire is just an anthem for a new generation. It's just the songs are far too unheard. Okay. Oh, Sleeper and themselves are just far too unheard. They don't get enough credit for what they do. Oh, okay. Easily. Like, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying it. They're such a good band, and too many people dismiss them because they're, they're a Christian outfit. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. But they, they are phenomenal musicians. Hands down, um, Shane Blay is uh, who who is also part of Woven War, which oh, is oh yep that's uh, that okay that as I a late dying the... minus Tim Lambesis, mm -hmm. um, so that that's yeah I, I just I can't sing their praises enough yeah no and, <laughs> uh, and honestly based on the little bit I had heard. Um, by not just O Sleeper, but a little bit of Woven War, just kind of hearing what Shane Blay is capable of doing, I can definitely see it. Absolutely. But go ahead and moving on uh, into number five. Matt, what do you got for number five on your list? So number five is another older band, um, actually pretty close to the same age as Van Halen, um, or at least in, in regards to time being around, Metallica. Um, the really the the biggest thrash band of the big four, uh, but with uh, that being Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax. Um, another reason that I ever wanted to pick up a guitar um, as a kid, Master of Puppets was my favorite song, and it, it's just the riffage all the way through. The solos were disgusting, and but just beautiful, um, and kind of in a, a similar thing to Paramore kind of fell off of them for a while and I came back and I actually got to see them back in 2017 nice. when they were touring hardwired to self-destruct 
And the love for the band came back. Um, and I got to kind of hear songs that I remembered from when I was younger. And realizing how much I actually knew of Metallica without completely realizing it, but also listening to other songs that I maybe didn't quite give the time of day. And I was just sitting there and I'm like, these guys are rad. And listening back to other records and again, kind of mending my issue of not listening to records as a kid and kind of going through most of their discography, except St. Anger is going to be just an absolute crap shoot. Um, I, I've really frantic is kind of good though. I'm not going to Fran- lie. Frantic, tick, 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 <laughs> um, but like, listening back to these other records is I, I've, I was able to pinpoint what my favorite record is and kind of being able to say which one's my favorite record by them. And then like second, third, and kind of being able to pass, do that, but also finding some almost hidden gems in some of their records is, you know, one of the things that's been really nice about kind of re-exploring mm-hmm. Metallica, um, especially in the last couple of years. What do you got for number five? For number five, I'm also going to be going a little bit old on this one. Um, I mentioned this before in a previous Sailor special, but ZZ Top, they yep. just, they've been one of my biggest influences uh, when I was a young guitarist. Blues guitars has always just been a default of mine. Yeah. And it's one of those things that it's like, it's really easy to learn, but it's hard to master. And by God, these guys have mastered it. Yeah. Um, rest in peace, Dusty. Like, yeah. it, it's it's still too soon, and I hate that. But these guys were just such an influence on me as a mm-hmm. guitarist, and I've just, I've always loved them. Yeah. And as a little bit of a tangent, since you kind of brought up about like blues guitarists, really blues actually has a pretty strong effect on even metal um just mm-hmm. in kind of the the writing and the the riffage um so kind of having some of that and um being a big influence it makes sense yeah absolutely and and just man i love easy top <laughs> they're, they're is that those... why you grew the beard out my my entire life goal is to become billy gibbons <laughs> so i want a warehouse full of guitars and i want a beard down to my stomach that seems okay. I'm halfway there on both. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so we'll get into the album recommendations. Um, for Metallica, um, it's my favorite record, Ride the Lightning. Um, it's also got my favorite song by them being Creeping Death. Um, I mean, you've got Fire With Fire to start the record off. You have For Whom the Bell Tolls real early in, Fade to Black, um, Creeping Death, and then Call of Cthulhu to close it out. It's not a super long record in regards to the number of tracks on it. Um, but some of the songs are longer. Um, some of them hitting like the four, five, six minute. Um, so you're get you're definitely getting a lot of bang for your buck. Um, just thrash metal through and through and a huge improvement from what Metallica was and kill them all, um, where kill them all. It kind of felt like James was kind of exploring vocally and kind of messing around a little bit. Um, ride the lightning really feels like they started kind of honing it in. Um, and then my next recommendation is, um, the record that follows right after ride the lightning, it's master of puppets battery. It's got, um, welcome home sanitarium, master of puppets and disposable heroes. It's thrash, probably in its purest form and really the purest form that Metallica ever had, um, which is kind of weird looking at ride the lightning, which is a pretty thorough thrash record. But I think master of puppets was really where they honed it in. And you actually got to see what the band is able to do. And I mean, it's just unbelievable. And James vocally on that one was just 
spice. I'm gonna add a little bit into that as well. Um, for the newer stuff, I recommend Death Magnetic. That's honestly my favorite Metallica Death album. Death Magnetic is so that's one of the records I know some songs off of. That's actually one I haven't had a chance to sit down and listen to the entirety of that record. Um, the riffing I, on Cyanide is one of my favorites. Like it, it's a great oh, warm up riff on guitar. Just and ooh. I'll die on this hill. But the Unforgiven Three is the best one of the three. Easily. Really? Easily, okay. I'll die on this hill. <laughs> I Okay, I'm actually a little surprised by that. Um, the Day That Never Comes is actually a song, and it was actually included on SNM 2, mm-hmm. um, with the live record that they just released, is I, I never realized how good The Day That Never Comes actually was until hearing James play it live, especially with the San Francisco Symphony, is just sitting there and listening to him. And he's, he's not the greatest vocalist to have ever been a vocalist, but... The Next. way he's able to use his his voice and being able to sing these songs, even though it's not just like you singing it in an aggressive manner, um, but it, it's it's almost beautiful how he sings in a way. Um, and I definitely recommend if you haven't heard "The Day That Never Comes" live on SNM two, um, definitely recommend it. Along with "Outlaw Torn," is probably the best vocal um, performance by James ever. Um, What's your recommendations for ZZ Top? So my best recommendations for these guys, um, obviously, is going to one number one is going to be Eliminator. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the iconic one that's got the Eliminator uh, Model T on the front. It's just a collection of some of their best stuff. Like e- even though it was just a single album that they released, like it's got Sharp Dressed Man, Legs, Give Me All Your Love, and like mm-hmm. all just the quintessential ZZ Top songs, and that just. It's all work of art, and it's just indicative of a band that refuses to put out subpar material. Yeah. And um, number two is going to be Trace Hombres. And for this one, I have two words. La Grange. These dudes just put out stuff that make you feel texture strong, and you deserve the motorcycle and the beer. <laughs> and you're just... You're in for a good time. That sounds like a good time. It sounds an awful lot like I'm going to need to be cracking open a cold one with the boys listening to it. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, next up, we'll actually just jump right into number four. Why don't you take it away, Gabe? Uh, so for number four, we're coming back a bit recent. We're going really heavy on this one. Uh, for me, it's going to be Fit for an Autopsy. Ooh. They're w- easily one of the heaviest bands on my list uh, by far. Um, they're one of my later discoveries as well. I've only discovered them after Absolute Hope, Absolute Hell was released, which was 2015. Okay, so very recent. Though. Yeah, in in the grand scheme of things, yeah. uh, especially when we're talking about things that we're discovering in 2007 to 2009, yeah. roughly. Um, but it's just back-breaking riffs, blistering solos, and just weird, awesome uh, time signatures. And... It just all culminates into the impending doom of extremely self-aware and sociopolitical lyrics. Also, mm-hmm. it's Will Putney. Like, yeah, it's Will Putney's band. How can it not be good? Yeah, and it for sure does not fail to deliver any time ever. All right. What's number four for you? So, <laughs> also coming more recent and real nice and heavy. Um, I actually have a tattoo of this band, mm-hmm. Whitechapel. Um, and these guys are. The cool, the cool thing about these guys is the way that they've evolved has mm-hmm. just been probably the most beautiful thing I've ever heard it musically, and which is weird because they're a deathcore band, and because they're, some of their songs are just disgust. I mean, if you their name is based off of the area in London where Jack the Ripper 
um, you know, committed all those murders. And then you listen to their first record and the entire thing is about Jack the Ripper. So they really stayed in flavor with the name. <laughs> I love how they like they started off with that and they're like, oh, there's no more we can do about that. Let's just do heavy stuff now. <laughs> it, and it's dumb heavy, but it's some of the best quality heavy material I think any really any band has done. Yeah, th- th- this is Exile was a very just important album for mm-hmm. musicians in the heavy genres across the board. Oh, it 100%. This was. is Exile being their their secondary follow up to uh, uh the Somatic Defilement. Somatic Defilement, yep. And so and that you know and that was probably the purest death or it's probably not quite the purest deathcore record, but it's also the purest deathcore record. And the New Era of Corruption, which was right after, is kind. It was, I would almost argue, is the purest deathcore record that they've put out. Um, definitely, like this is Exile of, kind of being a close second. Definitely, when you think of being like a quintessential deathcore album or band, mm-hmm. like if you were to go up to really any person in the genre and ask, "Hey, who's like the deathcore band when everything got started up?" They're gonna say Whitechapel, like they, yeah. it's just it, it's a household common name at this point. Yeah, and I think the only the only time you could probably say any band that wasn't Chapel is there would be two other bands. It would probably be Suicide Silence or Chelsea Grin. Yep. I think really Chelsea Grin, Whitechapel, and Suicide Silence were really the big three for kind of getting everything moving, and then everybody just kind of came off of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Phil Bozeman, as a vocalist, and especially after New Era of Corruption, is you hear what he's capable of doing, and it, it's unhuman. I, I honestly want to say he's probably my favorite, and in my opinion, the best deathcore vocalist, just because of what he's capable of doing, not just with his screaming vocals, but the fact he can sing mm-hmm. and he, and that's really where the kind of beauties come but out. Man, you're from. forgetting about Franz. <laughs> <sighs> See, here's, here's the problem. Phil Bozeman, like, you know, he's kind of a classy individual. Franz has an only fans. Like I'm dude, come on. <laughs> um, but uh, aside from the only fans, so Phil Bozeman, he, Starting on Mark of the Blade, which was, I believe, their sixth record, yes. um, is was the first time we actually heard Phil singing. And then going into their uh, newest record, at least as of time of recording, The Valley, is we see him kind of we see him singing more, and it's uh, almost a, a, a little bit of more confidence in mm-hmm. his vocals. Um, and I think that really kind of helped mold, you know, kind of push the band. Plus, their guitar riffs just got super, super groovy, and I am all for it. Mm-hmm. I am just all for it. Um, I could I could sit here and ramble about Whitechapel for God knows how long. What are your musical recommendations for <laughs> Fit for an Autopsy? Uh, fit for an Autopsy. So I, I got my two here. It's uh, the first one's going to be Absolute Hope, Absolute Hell. Mm-hmm. That was the, the album that got me hooked on them. It's the title track was the first song I've ever saw them. I ever saw them play live. Okay. And standing in the crowd, I'm just like, "What is this? And I need more." <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just it sold me on the spot. The riffing in this album is top notch. The vocal delivery, um, the vocal delivery was top notch as well. Uh, this is also the first album to uh, to showcase the new vocalist. Um, oh, so it was yeah. uh, 
I'm blanking on it, Joe Bellotto or something along those okay. lines. So I apologize if I uh, mispronounced your name there. Um, but he had joined on after the previous vocalist had left after the 2013 Hellbound. Um, okay. Their old stuff is very good, but my second re- recommendation is also with their newer stuff. Um, it's the following album after Absolute Hope, Absolute Hell, the album entitled The Great Collapse. Uh, it's absolutely my favorite record by them. Okay. Uh, it just this one is the epitome of everything I love and adore about fit for an autopsy. It's stupid, heavy breakdowns. The, the sociopolitical commentary and their lyrics are just spot on. And they just do, they, they just, all they do is unleash fury for the entirety of this out, this record black okay. mammoth, black mammoth, though, which is the third track, if I'm not mistaken, is the first vocal cover that I ever recorded. Oh, right. It's okay. just such a phenomenal album and I can't sing its praises enough. That's uh, okay. What about for Whitechapel? So for Chapel is we've actually talked about both of the records, yeah. at least in our kind of <laughs> explanations, but um and I'll, we'll, I'll kind of explain why. Um The Valley is number one. It's my favorite record by these guys. It's just it it shows that as they've gotten older, um, is just their ability to write just beautiful music. Phil Bozeman's clean singing is really adds an extra layer to this record. That's really just just brings it home. Um, and it's one. It's the fact that all of the lyrics are based on actual events. Um, it's heartbreaking. If you if you look into when a demon defiles a witch and what the meaning behind that is, it's it's a messed up it's song. Messed like, up. It's messed um, up. It's messed it, up. And it's the the way that they were able to capture that in the song in in a kind of I can't even say chaotic fashion because it, it's so clean. It's just the way they wrote that was beautiful. And then Hickory Creek mm-hmm. um, being one of the big singles, they actually did an acoustic version so, that was beautiful. So beautiful. Um, I actually have it on the playlist at, at the, at the shop. Where that's I work. right. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, and it, it's just Phil singing the entire song. Um, it, but it, it goes from these, these beautiful points like in Hickory Creek into songs like black bear where it's just bludgeoning it. Mm-hmm. You're literally getting smacked by a mace the entire song. Um, I, I absolutely love it. The second one is this is exile. Yep. Um, funny enough, I actually hated this record the first time I listened to it. What is wrong with you? So <laughs> and it, in my, in my defense is the first time I listened to it was like right when I was really starting to get into deathcore. Um, Suicide Silence was my first ever introduction. Whitechapel pretty much was my gateway into it. It's pretty much once I heard Whitechapel, I was into it. Um, this is exile. It took me a few years of just avoiding it and coming back to it. And I listened to it. And I'm like, okay, now I see why this is as highly praised as it is. It's bludgeoning and through and through it's just deathcore, really in its almost purest form. New era, you could probably say is the more pure deathcore, but this is just probably more on the death metal side as opposed to the hardcore. And it's just in your face. There's no stopping. Phil shows what he's capable of doing with his mid and low range. And he he's all in. Um, and th- that's for sure my other recommendation for chapel. Fair enough. Uh, then we're going to go ahead and uh, jump into our top three. And we're going to probably break these guys down a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, e- even further in depth, just due to uh, our love for them. Matt, why don't you go ahead and kick us off on number three. So we've actually given this band uh, quite a bit of love here on the podcast. <laughs> what? No what? way. 
And this one, I, I had to put an order in. This band is actually tied for number two. Uh, but number three, it's the Devil Wears Prada. Um, these guys, I was introduced probably about 2009, 2010. And... The first thing that really appealed to me was the song titles. They have songs like Swords, Dragons, and Diet Coke. That was my first introduction to them, actually. That was my first song, too. <laughs> um, hey, John, what's your name again? Goats on a Boat. HTML Rules, Dude. Dogs Can Grow Beards All Over. Assistant to the regional manager. Assist- Texas you- is South. <laughs> Did you know that the um, studio tr- title for Assistant was actually Dwight Schrute? No, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I get. I, I apparently the guys were really big Office fans, um, and I found that I'm like, that's funny. Um, but they first started out with these silly song titles, and you kind of look and you're like, well, this is dumb. But it was kind of a metalcore thing. Yeah, it was very much the thing for the while. Like mm-hmm. we saw uh, Chiodos did that. We saw the Data Remember did it. The Data Remember was huge into it. Um, yep. Same thing with Four Years Strong. Just like all the bands of that area in that particular time frame, mm-hmm. they all did it. So like it wasn't that they were doing anything new or crazy yeah. or anything like that. They just did it. Yep. <laughs> and honestly, with the Devil Wears Prada is they had these super silly song titles, but you listen to the song, and it's. It, it's hard to explain the the kind of chaos. And I love what how in kind of their early material is where a lot of people kind of harassed early Ask Alexandria for being just breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. Um, the Devil Wars Prada is they sounded like they were doing that, but they weren't. And it was almost like they were masking riffs under the breakdowns. And they were, you know, they were able to kind of manipulate the song. Plus, they had the the keyboardist who brought this electronic element, which we really hadn't seen by any other metalcore band up to this point. So, and it what when I say electronic is it's almost EDM, kind of like very bouncy. If you listen to the keyboard part in the chorus of Assistant to the Regional Manager, is that's probably the best way to kind of hear it. Uh, because it, it's a very jumpy kind of um, keyboard line. We go into kind of posts with Roots Above and Branches Below, uh, which was their third record. We see a shift into much darker territory, um, darker themes that the Devourous Prada started writing about, and that's really what kind of started the um, kind of what they became. And unfortunately, with a lot of damage having been done to Mike's voices, mm-hmm. it's de- you know that's that's definitely had an effect on their sound over the years. Um, but the way that Mike is able to kind of maneuver around the kind of you know the worn out vocals that he that he's kind of come to have now, the way he's able to maneuver around it is really almost graceful um and then especially with the maturing of the band there's been a lot of lineup so the maturing of the band as well as a number of lineup changes um just to give a bit of a uh, perspective on that only two of the original members are left in the band right now um and it's a band and it's a group of six um six individuals um, the, that's definitely had a huge effect on the sound that they've had over the years. Um, and I think really after the departure of Chris Ruby, who was their lead guitarist, um, up until I believe it was 2015, um, it would have been pre space EP's release. Yeah. Um, Cause he left in the middle of 818, right? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. it would have been in between 818 and Space EP. Yeah. Um, really, after Chris, Chris Ruby's departure, um, really was where we start to see a vastly different guitar style being brought forward, mm-hmm. um, where Kyle Cypress is bringing a little bit more of like a math rock kind of technical um, style, and it's kind of helped push the Divorce Prada into the the style that they're at now and. Um, with the recent release of the Z2 EP is I think that's really showing um, where the band is going and where the, where the band looks to go in the next coming years. And they're sit, dude, they've been around since 2005. That's 16 Jeez. years. Yeah. They, they've been around a hot minute. Yeah, they'll be coming um, up on a 20 year anniversary soon. <laughs> no kidding. Um, what do you got for number three, man? Uh, so for number three, uh, I have got the band Hands Like Houses. And Hands Like okay. Houses is, my, is, is in my top three for two reasons. One, they make phenomenal music that's melodically catchy, instrumentally challenging, but flawless and lyrically strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but number two, and I believe I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but they're just incredibly stand-up dudes. Um, so the first time I saw them, I was going to... It was the... Um, uh, it was Memphis Mayfire, The Word Alive, uh, Hands Like Houses, Beartooth, and uh, A Skylight Drive. Okay. And so I, I went to this show because I wanted to see Beartooth. Like, they yeah. were, this is right around when um, the Sick EP had released. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Before Beartooth really had, had gotten yeah, big. Yeah, before and, they got the big, the real big traction with their first record. Exactly. So this is like late 2012, early 2013. So okay. this is prior to um, Hands Like Houses doing their breakout album as well, which was unimagined. Mm-hmm. And these dudes, so uh, the long story short, Beartooth wasn't supposed to play because they had, I believe it was vehicle issues that prevented them from being able to get there on time to do mm-hmm. check-in and get everything sound checked and yeah. whatnot. Hands Like Houses gave up half their set for these guys. Mind you, both relatively unknown bands yeah. at this point in time. Um, they gave up half their set for them just so they would get a chance to be able to play for that crowd. And so dope. that just speaks to the character because it, especially in a touring band like that, you have your 30 minutes to make... Mm-hmm. Or break yourself to that particular crowd and yeah. see if that's going to be something that you'd be able to return to and promote those album sales and promote the merch sales and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And to give up half your time to do that was just one of the most selfless things that I could ever see see a band doing. And like forever, they have earned my respect for that alone. And then yeah. as a result of that, I began digging into their music and found out that I just fell in love with their style. Um, they just earned my respect for life, hands down, and... I will never not love anything these guys put out. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think I remember you telling me um, that story. I think you may have told that on the podcast as well. I think it was during the Beartooth episode. Likely. I'm um, almost certain I've brought it up before, but just I I wanted to bring it up again because I cannot give them credit enough for something like mm -hmm. that because I don't really know that how many other bands in the in the the scene would actually do that for other people. And there's your wholesome uh, bits for the day. That's no. Dig it right in. Um, Hands Like Houses, Wholesome People. What wholesome records would you recommend? Um, so I already mentioned this record. Uh, it's Unimagined. So mm-hmm. this was... Uh, it hadn't dropped yet when I first saw them, but when it was released, I was hooked. Okay. Uh, Introduced Species is one of my favorite songs, just in general. Okay. I, I, I love that song. No Parallels is a fan favorite and another one of my favorites by the band. Okay. It's a departure from their first album. Their first album was a lot more math prog rocky kind of stuff. Okay. Um, 
but it, they they pushed it. They, they still incorporated some of that stuff and still do incorporate that into their mm-hmm. newer records. But um, this was more of a palatable kind of sound to it. Like, I mean, I would venture to say that really most of these would be radio playable. Okay. But they don't see it because the radio is dumb and they're, these guys are just too good for the radio anyway. That's fair. Um, yeah, so uh, Unimagined, phenomenal record beginning to end. I love, okay. I love it hands down. Uh, the second one is what I would argue would be their best album, which is the album Dissonance. Uh, song after song, this album is just fantastic, and they really wear the progression of the band on their sleeves. Okay. Uh, it, it is just an album I return to time and time again and enjoy just as much as the times previous to it when it came out in 2016. Uh, I love this album. Sounds an awful lot like I need to start listening to Hands Like Houses. Absolutely, um, you do. <laughs> yeah. So with the Divorce Prada... Um, the, the two records that I recommend, first, With Roots Above and Branches Below, um, came out in 2009, and straight out the gate with Sassafras is you're in for just really kind of chaos, but it, do, it never gets to be chaotic like some of the albums that we've reviewed, but it's just in your face, you're in, and you're having a good time. There's a lot of really good breakdowns. Um, none of them ever hit the kind of, like, the the breakdown in the song This Is Exile by Whitechapel. Like, mm-hmm. that's a record where you just stank face, you're fully committed, you're, you're, you're pretty much punching somebody in the face. Mm-hmm. You never really get that in this record, but the breakdowns are kind of a consistent where you you can bang your head you can mosh to um the beginning of big wiggly style when the divorce prado was actually here and they were doing the 10-year anniversary tour of with roots above and branches below as soon as big wiggly style started i ran to the pit i'm like deuces dude i'm out i i mean and being able to listen to those songs live was a beautiful thing. Um, and especially when they did the live stream back in l- last year in 2020, mm-hmm. where they did the entirety of Roots. And I, I love that record. I can I bought a vinyl of it. I put it on, um, on my record player, and I sat there and I listened to it. And it felt like I was st- I'm still discovering things in those songs the more I listened to it. And that record's been out 11 now almost 12 years um, which is completely nuts the other record i would recommend which isn't really a record it's an ep we actually did talk about it to some extent here on the podcast it's the zombie ep yep this is where really the beginning of what the divorce prada is today really started um we started seeing a much darker tone to not only their lyrical content but also the content of their riffs their instrumentals um you see it's a lot less just straight breakdowns like Roots brought, um, and it brings a lot more riffage, but the breakdowns just hit heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Mike really pushes vocals up to 11, um, and I think it was it was really somewhere between this and Dead Throne where um, something happened, and I, I, I've heard um, rumblings that it was just uh, poor care of his voice, Likely. Um, which is probably what it was. Um, is really what ended up causing Dead Throne to be such a huge variance in his vocal performance. Um, but Zombie EP just absolutely slaps, man. If you want five songs of just bludgeoning chaos, listen to it. Um, but you could go and listen to our Zombie 1 and Zombie 2 breakdown here on the Tentacle Bot podcast. You can go check those out and hear our thoughts and actually hear us dig deeper into it. 
Um, good episode. It was a really fun one. Got to break down a total of 10 songs, which it was nice. It was fun. And we honestly kind of broke down Space EP, too. Let's be we real. We did here. kind of break down Space EP. I'm, I'm just going to put you in charge of like marketing ourselves within our own podcast. <laughs> you know, just marketing it to our own viewers yeah, and listeners. No, that's yeah. perfectly fine. <laughs> um, and, I, I, you know, with, really with this band is I could sit here and spend hours talking about them too um but Gabe, instead of spending hours on it let's talk about your number two what do you got there yeah, yeah you're, so, you're, you're tied for number two here yep tied for number two is bless the fall um who is actually from right here in arizona um and actually another one of the band tattoos that i currently have i'm working on getting the divorce prada metallica ones done and one for van halen but um that's something i'm hoping to get done pretty soon um bless the fall um funny enough the first time i heard bless the fall or at least the first couple of times i hated them i absolutely hated them and I think really what it was to to kind of give you perspective on kind of where I was at at this time is my understanding of what metalcore was was really all that remains kill switch engage the devil wears prada um so like those three bands primarily is pretty much what my understanding of what metalcore was so when I heard um and I believe it would have been a little bit of the Craig Mabbitt era of Bless the Fall as well as some of the um, stuff that Bo had put out, um, who is their current clean vocalist, and then Craig Mabbitt is the current vocalist for Escape the Fate, and he's done, um, he started The Word Alive, he started Bless the Fall, and then he's also in Dead Rabbits. Mm -hmm. um, as I'm listening to these songs, and it's the screaming parts are kind of thrown in sparsely throughout the songs, and it was primarily clean vocals, where as somebody like myself who was listening to Fall of Ideals by All That Remains, which was pretty much a death metal core record, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what is this garbage? I'm like, I don't want to... I was almost looking at it as pop music. But what ended up happening is I discovered what probably is still my favorite song to this day, and it's called To Hell and Back. <laughs> and it's it's one of the heaviest releases or heaviest songs that Bless the Fall has ever done. And I remember listening to it, and it starts with the tapping, uh, tapping on guitar, which, again, kind of calling back to Van Halen. I caught that immediately, and I'm like, hang on a second. Maybe I should give these guys another whirl. And I listened to the song, and it's maybe two and a half, three minutes of just balls to the wall. They're, they go hard. And it was at that point I ended up, fallen in love with them and kind of like, okay, I see what's going on. Um, I remember it was actually, I was on my way to work and I picked up and I, I think because of the way the timing was, um, I actually was able to pick up both dead throne by the divorce product as well as awakening by bless the fall. And I think it was just because each of the records released a week apart. It's just, I hadn't gone to actually buy the records until I, I got both of them at the same time. And, Awakening as a follow-up to Witness, which would have been the second release that Bo Boken would have been mm -hmm. on. Um, with Bo uh, solely on clean vocals, and then Jared Worth, who's their bassist and screaming vocalist, um, taking full responsibility on that. And then kind of just running with that moving forward. They've really brought... These guys, compared to some of the other metalcore bands, is they're kind of a pure metalcore. And they've brought in a lot more electronic elements. So with their latest release, Hard Feelings, is it's almost 
almost a little bit of an 80s pop mixed into kind of like radio rock, like rock core, kind of like the mm-hmm. rock metal core sound that we're starting to see a lot of the the So basically what, uh, what uh, All That Remains became. Yes, except more, <laughs> uh, more electronics. Fair enough. Um, so, and the, the kind of evolution into them kind of getting into that more electronic sound and the kind of rock core sound um, was actually a pretty smooth transition. I was shocked when Hard Feelings came out, which was their latest record, um, because I'm like, this seems so out of left field. But as I look back to the some of the older material, I'm like, okay, they were kind of kind of alluding to it. Um, so that's that's Bless the Fall, man. Yeah, I've see, seen- I had an opposite uh, interaction with Bless the Fall. I loved the first album and then began just hating them beyond. Really? Yeah, it, I, I got really into His Last Walk for a while that's there. That's fair. And it, it was cool. And then I just started hating them and... Here we are today. <laughs> so have you have you ever seen them live by chance? I have not. Okay, so I've seen them ten times. They're the band Dear I've God, seen dude. the most. And <laughs> Bo Bo is an absolute madman on stage, but the energy they bring. Um, for those of you who may be here from Arizona, over in Tempe, we have the Tempe Marketplace, which is kind of like an out, outdoor mall. Well, they actually have a stage where uh, mm-hmm. bands can do free shows. I actually got to see Bless the Fall play there. And... Bless the Fall gets up on stage. Everybody's like, yeah, let's go. And the f- as soon as the first note of that first song started, the whole floor just opened up. It was <laughs> insanity just straight out the gate. They put on a killer show. If you get the chance, dude, go see them live. It's du- They do not disappoint. They never have. Speaking of insanity mm, let's just go destruction and everything that is just 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 demolishing tell me tell my me number two. Oh, let's go the acacia strain <gasps> they're the godfathers of doom metalcore and like uh, they've been around for 20 years now have they really they have been around oh for 20 years um i Started listening to them in 2014 after they released the album Coma Witch. Okay. Um, but like really everything back to like their 2010 release, uh, which is uh, Death is the Only Mortal. Mm-hmm. Um, just everything forward from there is just pure. It, it's the best. Like I'm, I'm, I will listen to the older, older stuff, but like it's not particularly my favorite. That's fair. It's just not quite as clean and the production quality isn't quite there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a, just, I'm a really big fan of production quality. Yeah. But these guys have just been putting out consistently amazing music and they don't show any signs of stopping at this point. Uh, 2020 was one of their strongest years musically and they just always seem to find a way to freshen it up. Uh, each album is still the Acacia Strain, but each record is a unique being with its own flavor and strength. Like they, these guys just don't, understand how to stop and i'm loving it yeah um yeah i I, i'm gonna have a lot more to say on my recommendations uh what what would you say are your two recommendations for uh, bless the fall there so before i get into the recommendations is i think 2011 2012 was actually my first introduction to acacia strain Mm -hmm. um and i listened to them for a little while um is and actually with um really my introduction to white chapel and then kind of the push for my love for the devil Wears prada was actually from a, a, a good friend of mine who um at the time she had just thrown a bunch of records at me and she's like listen to this band listen to this band listen to this band and the divorce prada just kind of really pushing my love for that band white chapel um introduce really introducing me to them and like oh these guys are sick 
Acacia Stream was one of those bands. So I've definitely known the name. I've known a little bit of their material. Um, and actually, Decay, I got to listen to around the time that that was released. And ooh, that was some top quality spice. Mm. Um, definitely need to jam that record. But uh, before I kind of venture down that rabbit hole, the two recommendations I have for Bless the Fall. First off is Witness. Um, which is the inspiration for the tattoo I got by them. I got to see them play this record on the 10-year anniversary of it tour. Um, it's got my favorite song being To Hell and Back. I mean, to 2.0. Uh, I mean, really... Fun fact, that was actually uh, on His Last Walk originally. Wait. To Hell and Back was originally really? on His Last Walk, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, 2.0 um, is a really, really strong opener. It's a really good way to open up shows. I know I've seen Bless the Fall do it. What's Left of Me being one of the really big hits, again, to hell and back. Um, God Wears Gucci, which I always thought that name was funny. <laughs> um, all the way up to Stay Still, which is probably the most ballady song that they've ever written, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful piece um and actually it, it's just all all the way across that record's fantastic record number two that i recommend is actually the follow-up to witness being uh awakening uh, we start out with uh title track awakening being kind of a, a slow build into promise one which is just beautiful riffage right out. We see Jared Worth really take take the helm at first, um, and then the complimenting of Bo's vocals working alongside. Um, we see that. We see 40 Days, um, which I believe was actually kind of a parallel to a song by Lights, um, the pop artist who's actually married to Bo, oh. um, if you didn't know. I did not um, know. So it was 40 Days is the Bless the Fall song, and then Lights had a song called And Counting. Um, so it's kind of like the, the two of them kind of put together. Um, but there's just so much on Awakening that's just really well done. It's really good riffage. Um, Again, Promise Ones being the best offering off of the record. Bottom Feeder being Jared's just unkempt aggression. Um, and then I'm Bad News in the best way is just an, another offering of the band showing what they can do vocally and the how be, really how great of a dynamic Jared and Bo have with working with each other. Um, really solid work and... Um, with those records witness being from 2009 and then awakening being 2011 there's um you know they've been around a little while and they're just mint <laughs> hit me with that acacia strain though so the first one i got listed here is coma witch uh this okay. is the album that got me into it the bright colors the imagery the musical content the moment vince just screams rest and piss on the album is just had me sold it has uh, easily what my favorite acacia strain in its song is which is the, the song send help okay and it's just unbelievable i love this this album so much it, okay. it just it holds such a special place in my heart and uh, it also features the uh, the final song on the album which is the observer which is a, a 30 minute song that they did and when i oh bought the album God. it comes with its own cd just for that song no way <laughs> and uh, same thing cuz i have the vinyl of it as well now um, it has uh, uh, it has a b and c sides cuz it's the two vinyl part yeah. uh, a b and c for the the full album and then uh, the d side is just the observer 
<laughs> That's insane. And it's just, it, it's a very interesting journey to go on, especially with that song, because so much of it, when you're making a 30-minute song, it's not the band the whole time. Like, at that point, the song is absolutely telling a story, and yeah. I, I, don't, I, I really don't want to spoil this song for people, because it's, it, it's such an interesting thing to, to take for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I do definitely recommend doing that. Um, phenomenal album, front to back, love it to death. Uh, the second one that I have is Slow Decay, uh, which is their most recent uh, yep. record that they've put out. Uh, this album went number five on a week that Taylor Swift released an album, and if that doesn't speak for the sheer power that this record has, nothing will. The Acacia Strain implemented like one of the most brilliant marketing strategies for an album release I've ever seen. Okay. Um, basically, what they did is they released uh, everything in two-song EPs, um, spelling out the letters. So yep. D had two songs, E had two songs, C had two songs, and so on. Mm-hmm. And then finally, once all five of those had been released, they released the full album, which included two additional songs. And me being the hopeless sucker for the Acacia Strain that I am, I have all of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's uh, w- one of the most brilliant marketing strategies that I've ever seen uh, them do. It worked amazingly for them, and it, it was really interesting to see them do that so quickly after the um, the shorter album, It Comes in Waves, mm-hmm. which was really kind of more of a doom uh, concept project that they had just surprise released everybody the day after Christmas in 2019. And it it was a phenomenal record. It wasn't as well received by everybody, but it was clearly done as an experiment. And I honestly can't wait for them to do more. When they come around here at end of November here in Arizona, I'm going to be at both of the shows. And one of them, they're playing It Comes in Waves in full. And I'm excited to see that. And then they're also playing songs off of Slow Decay. And then the the next night, they're doing their 10-year anniversary of Wormwood. So they're doing all of Wormwood. And then some other additional ones yeah. that will be coming along there. So I'm really excited for that. But these two albums really epitomize what the Acacia Strain is about. Okay. And um, I definitely recommend them for sure. For sure. So before we get into our number one, um, I figure we kind of throw out the possibility. Are there any honorable mentions for bands that almost made the top eight, but maybe just didn't quite make the cut? Yeah, I would uh, definitely put like The Artist Murder in Whitechapel as uh, some honorable mentions for me. Um, they would be ones that would fall uh, pretty close to the top eight. Um, they just, certain things about them would would miss the mark. So like uh, The Artist Murder, I got into them when they released, uh, what was that? Uh, it wasn't Dear Desolation. Was it? Holy no, War. There I it bet. is, yeah, oh, Holy yeah. War. So it was when they released Holy War, which is, arguably their worst album mm-hmm. it still had good songs on it but it just it was really kind of a lull and that's like what i got introduced to them on yeah um white chapel their sixth album uh mark of the blade mark of the blade like that it just it was kind of a weak album the mm-hmm. latter half of uh saw is the law was kind of or sorry not saw is the our, law. our endless war uh, thank you yes i'm really blanking on it for you're some good dude um the latter half of that record was kind of meh to begin with um but yeah, so I, I would say definitely those guys. If I were to go kind of like in the uh, softer rock kind of arena, like Reliant K, The Story So Far, mm-hmm. Old A Day to Remember. Yeah, you know, like you're welcome. Exactly. Like things that like really molded me as a musician and molded mm-hmm. my taste um, would definitely all fall on that honorable mention list. Okay. Um, how about yourself? So one of the big ones is, and this is definitely not like rock or metal, uh, but it's definitely... I would almost say it's a guilty pleasure, but I don't feel bad about liking it. Taylor Swift. 
Um, okay. I actually, I'm a big fan of hers. Um, we all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Um, but the I listened to her, not her most recent release, but um, the one prior, Folklore, which is a part of the, the newest release is almost like a continuation of the folklore um, kind of story. Um, that is kind of my understanding. Um, I haven't really, you know, folklore and beyond. I haven't super listened to. I've kind of fallen off of listening. But uh, like her record, Lover, we start to kind of see uh, a return to her, kind of returning to the almost bubbly pop mm-hmm. um, that we had kind of seen on like 1989 and even Red. Um, and then where Dear Reputation was, uh, or no, it's just called Reputation. That. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm not. Taylor shouldn't rap. <laughs> like, I, I, I like what she was trying to do, and it was very much an experimental, and it was her trying to go in this really dark direction. I feel like some of the things with the execution just wasn't done right. Um, you know, and I, I got to give her credit for, you know, at least giving it a shot. Um, so she's definitely up there. Um, and then kind of in a similar vein, um, the last record was a bit of a disappointment, but Carly Rae Jepsen, um, I'm a big fan of. So there were a couple of honorable mentions, um, at least in that regard. Um, if we're looking from the metal side, though, I don't think i'm not thinking of any right off the top of my head um you know and i I think that'll likely change once we get some more material coming out in the later part of the year um or at least you know especially in september where we're just getting so much yeah Uh, yeah as i mentioned at the top of the cast we're gonna be doing like two episodes a week there's so much stuff that's gonna be coming out it's Mm -hmm. uh it's it's gonna be hard to keep up with (laughs) it's gonna be a lot and it's gonna be really good but but we're gonna do our best (laughs) we and we that we are now without wasting any further time we've delayed it enough we're up to our top favorite bands just in general gabe here's how i think we'll do it I'll let you introduce yours, Mm -hmm. I'll introduce mine, and then we'll start the breakdown. How's that work? Sounds good to me. All right, Gabe. Ready? with it. Bon Jovi. (laughs) 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 No. uh, (laughs) I wasn't ready, dog. I wasn't ready. I wouldn't even drink after that one. Uh, (laughs) No, um, for me, it is absolutely going to be the kings of metal themselves, Trivium. I got to give it to Lamb of God, man. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to be touring together. (laughs) Dude, I'm so excited for that show. I'm going to get to go because it's um, Megadeth, Lamb of God, Trivium. And because of, unfortunately, Visa issues, In Flames will not be on it. But Hatebreed will. And I am so ready, dude. (laughs) I'm so ready to see Hatebreed. Matt, why don't you go ahead and break down uh, break down a little bit of Lamb of God for me? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually was explaining the um, Lamb of God to an extent to somebody at work, and really the best way to describe them is if Slayer and Led Zeppelin had a love child, is that's Lamb of God. They bring just the sheer heavy thrashy nature. I really that, like that comparison, actually. Yeah, and it, it, it's right on the nose because it brings the just sheer aggression and the riffage and the just disgusting nature of slayer but it brings the real bluesy and like groovy riff style from led zeppelin and they just come together in this beautiful 
entity. Um, in the in the kind of early days of Lamb of God, is it was a little bit more kind of it was almost sludgy. They, they was, were a lot more thrashy, especially when they were burn the priest. Yeah. Um, yep. And that, that's actually a good point. Um, they actually started as burn the priest back in like 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, after a uh, couple of years is they were actually told to change their name with the release of their first record. And because they wanted to kind of have it be this kind of religious theme to, to, related to their name is that's when they changed to lamb of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, New American Gospel was their first record, and yeah, it was they're real thrashy, um, and it was in a way kind of sludgy. You go into as the palaces burn, and it's still this really, and I almost want to say grungy because of how um, like almost lo-fi and kind of mangy sounding um, it was, and then you come into. Ashes of the Wake, which is their release in 2004, and that's really where we see Lamb of God and what they would be. And kind of at that point is like, this is Lamb of God, and this is what they will be just from from here on out. And you see the the minute changes over the years, and um, whether it be in like Randy's vocal style, a little bit in the riffage, um, and then up until recently with the um, Chris Adler have, um, not being in the band and then bringing in Art Cruz on drums, is there's that flavor that's kind of brought in and kind of changes them. Um, I, as you guys know, like I love blast beats and I love breakdowns and. Lamb of God brings some of those, but these guys have riffs and these, they're just, man, like some of the, some of my favorite riffs, um, and some of the most catchy riffs in my opinion are Lamb of God riffs. uh, And it's just really over the years. Um, dude, hit me with some of that trivium. Yeah. Just to, to kind of piggyback off of, uh, Lamb of God there a little bit. Um, Philadelphia was my first introduction to Lamb of God. That's a solid. <laughs> it was such a good so, introduction. Okay, you want to hear a funny story about my introduction to Lamb of God? Hit me. So, it was about 2004, 2005. I'm a kid. Like th- this kind of heavy m- music was not something I knew anything about. Like the heaviest I listened to was like Pantera and Slipknot. Well, I was actually in the car with my stepdad, and he had thrown this CD on. And immediately it starts going in with Ashes of the Wake. The first song is Laid to Rest, mm. which is just <laughs> out the gate. And I'm a kid, and I turn to my stepdad, and I'm all, apparently, I'm all, can you turn this off? So I found this out when I was going through his CD collection. I was like, oh, Lamb of God, I know that name. And he's like, oh, yeah, you hated them when you were a kid. And I'm like, excuse me, what? <laughs> and then now, you know, they, they've been my favorite band since I was a sophomore in high school, and that was... That was a long time ago. years ago. <laughs> no, ironically, Trivium's actually been my favorite band since I was a sophomore in high school That's as well. Hilarious. Which for me was a little bit less. It was about ten years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, or maybe I guess I think it was actually eleven years ago. You graduated in twelve. Twenty twelve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So eleven years ago for yeah. me then. But yeah, still, um, Trivium have just been this powerhouse of a band for the past over 20 years now. I mean, they, yeah. they, they formed in 99. They, they released their first album in 2001, I believe. Okay. And they, they just, it, it's always been the brainchild of Matt Hafey, but it's really just formed into this unique group of brilliant musicians coming together and formulating something that's truly beautiful. Um, it's, it's always kind of interesting to see, especially like when you have 
masterminds in the band, you usually can't have multiple of them. Like mm-hmm. uh, we, we saw this issue with uh, Steve um, from Aerosmith. Steve, Steve uh, Perry? St- no, not Steve Steven Perry. Tyler. Steven Tyler, thank yeah. you. So we saw it with oh, Steven Tyler and, Tyler and Joe Perry. Joe Perry. Yeah, so That's, we, okay. like, we have two beautiful, uh, brilliant masterminds in the band, and they clash, and mm-hmm. they fought, and they broke up. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened with the Eagles. It's the same thing that happened with just so many different other bands. And to have multiple minds, they, they're often going to clash because people are different and want different things. Yeah. And I feel like Trivium has this really unique thing where Matt is a brilliant vocalist and just his capability of playing and singing at the same time is just unfair. Yeah. Um, Corey Bolio is one of the best technical shredders in today's time. Yeah. Paolo Gregolotto is a phenomenal songwriter. He writes most of their material along with Matt mm-hmm. and he does a, a phenomenal job. I see him do like a lot of his freestyle based stuff. He does a lot of that like on his Twitch and YouTube and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's cool. And he, he's a phenomenal bassist even beyond what he does in Trivium. Yeah. And Alex Bent, I'm honestly convinced is one of the best drummers of this time. Like he, he he's on a whole nother level. Dude. He is clearly like he owes his soul to some sort of devil or something mm-hmm. like that because no human being should have the right of being that good. <laughs> and like, and I, I and there was a long time where, and kind, you know, kind of going back to Lamb of God for ju- just a quick second is Chris Adler, who is their original drummer, and actually um, Willie Adler, who's the rhythm guitarist, their brothers. And for a long time, just because of how technical Chris Adler is. Is I said, and he wasn't always the fastest drummer. Like he wasn't always playing the fastest. Mm-hmm. Where, um, like a buddy of mine would go and say, Jordan Mancino of As I Lay Dying is a, a better drummer than Chris Adler. Yeah, fast but I, doesn't make good. Exactly. And and looking looking at the two of them side by side, if I'm looking for something where it's just fast. I'm going to listen to Jordan, but if I want something that's groovy, it's got, it's just really technical drumming. It's Chris Adler. And like listening to Alex bent is I've kind of been like, well, Chris Adler is a good drummer, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) but this guy, like he, he does the fast, he does the tech, he does the groove. Like, I, I feel bad because I feel like I'm betraying Chris Adler, and he but does like so Alex, with an emotionless face. <laughs> he, he, he's a madman. He's a, he, honestly, you cannot tell me that he is not a Terminator model from the future. No, absolutely he not. One hundred percent is. He's a robot. Alex Bent is the reason that I know that I, as a drummer, will never succeed in becoming a part of Trivium. My dreams are crushed because this man is too good. <laughs> Again, he's a robot. Exactly, but like they they've. I really got introduced to them in their album Shogun, so which was their fourth album. Oh, Shogun yep. is highly regarded as one of their best albums, especially yeah. of older Trivium. And it's a phenomenal record. We see so many different forms of Trivium from there, and but they all boil down to what the core is. It's just amazing musicianship, phenomenal showmen, and they just stand-up dudes trying to do the right thing. Yeah, And I can't ever see myself not being a fan of these guys ever because yeah. they push me constantly to be a better guitarist. Mm-hmm. They push me to be a better uh, multitasker when it comes to trying to sing and, and play or scream at the same time. Like yeah. it just, I can't do it. Yeah. Matt makes me sad in that regard because I can't do it. <laughs> See, uh, and just to clarify, not me be making him sad. It's Matt Heafy from Trivium. Just, you know, just yes, in case yes, that was Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Heafy is the... <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I do make you sad, but that's a conversation for another time. Exactly. Well, we're also still on the lookout for another... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but so Matt Hafey just, he has this uh, it, just amazing capability of mm-hmm. being able to play these crazy syncopated rhythm parts in time with the rest of the band and yeah. sing all in the same time. And it's, it's just so bizarre that he's able to do that. And I know we're getting a little long on time here, but man, Trivium is so cool. I, I, mean, if you, I mean, you listen to even what Matt's trying to sing and it's not the easiest thing. Like he's, he's, going pretty constant like there's not really a lot of time where he's not singing everything they constantly do is syncopated like it's always these weird polyrhythms and stuff like that that they're Mm -hmm. doing in the middle of these like regular four four time signatures yeah and he's just singing over them like it's nothing yeah and it's not just like a studio trick that he's doing it because he does it live too and i've seen him do it multiple times and it's just amazing how he's capable of doing it are you sure he's not a robot too? I am not certain that any of them aren't robots. I, I'm pretty sure that they're all sent from the future just to encapsulate the entire world and take over us. But I'm okay with that because it's really good music. Good <laughs> um, uh, why don't you go ahead and hit me with your your top Lamb of God albums? So the this one the for my favorite record by these guys is it's kind of a tie between two, but the one that seems to consistently be my favorite is Sacrament. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the 2006 record uh, follow up to Ashes of the Wake, which Ashes of the Wake really was what put Lamb of God on the um, on pretty much in the spotlight. And um, this is really where we start to hear the like pitch singing that um, Randy does. And that's really what's kind of been like when I think pitch singing, it's Randy. Um, And and especially from this and you see it again in wrath um, where Mm -hmm. he starts kind of bringing it more. Um, That's probably got to be my favorite record. We, we see the, the groove with the heavy, uh, Walk With Me in Hell's on that record. Mm-hmm. We also see Redneck, which is another hugely popular song. Um, pretty vulgar, so you know, take um, take with that what you will. The next one that I'm going to recommend is actually the only release thus far that they have Art Cruise, which is their self-titled record. Mm-hmm. Um, just came out in 2019, and it's just a banger front to back, man is we we see Randy start to kind of explore the lower um the lower range um it's a follow up to their volume 7 Sturmundrang um record and again we really see them kind of return to a little bit more of the thrash side um but it's in a way there's almost deathcore elements that Art Cruz brings in that just adds a little bit of extra flavor that we hadn't seen by Lamb of God before. And uh, Randy's vocal performance on this is just chef's kiss. What you got for recommendations, man? So I, I have my two recommendations as Trivium of Old and Trivium of New. Okay. Um, Trivium of Old is going to be Shogun. It's their, just their quintessential album. It provides everything that you would want to hear from old Trivium. Mm-hmm. Um, they really got rocketed to the forefront with Ascendancy. Yeah. And it, well, while it was a phenomenal album, it was um, kind of taken aback a bit by The Crusade, which is regarded mm-hmm. as one of their worst albums. Okay. It's still a good album. It still has a lot of really cool moments to it, but there was a lot on that album that they were just trying to be really not Trivium. And okay. it, it was following on the coattails of Ascendancy, and so they were trying to write for what people would want to write or what would want to hear. Okay. And that's very uncharacteristic of Trivium. Every other record, they've always written what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. The Crusade was the only time where it felt like they weren't doing that. Okay. And so I feel like Ascendancy is a little bit tainted by that fact. 
Um, but Shogun, they came back on record number four, and they just delivered this disgusting assault uh, of music. It's uh, from front to back. It is a phenomenal album. A lot of it has like Greek mythology uh, ties into yeah, it. Yeah, that makes sense. Which provides really cool um, kind of juxtaposition, especially when they're talking about like real life scenarios and stuff like that. Uh, so I really recommend that album. It's one of the albums that really got me into Seven Strings, and it really kind of just got me started on on extended range of guitars and always inspires me to be a better guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, or my other one would be uh, what the dead men say. Like this is absolutely an eight out of eight musical and lyrical last masterpiece. I, I can attest to that is, and it, it's beautiful. Every time Trivium puts out new material now, I think it can't get better than it was before. And they just seem to do it time and time and again. And there are lulls with every band, but it does not seem like that's going to be the case for Trivium in the near future. They just released a new song again in the court of the dragon, which we talked about in a uh, hidden track. And the song was phenomenal front to back. It was just seven minutes of Matt and I just making stank faces the whole time as we're listening to this. And it, it just, I, with what the, what the dead men say, they're really finding themselves in what Trivium is meant to be and what Matt, ha- what Matt Hafey has really had in mind. They started doing this with the sin and the sentence, which was uh, the album that came prior to this album number eight, but it really came to fruition in this one. Yeah. The Sin and the Sentence had a lot of the beginnings of that, and we see the progression into what the Dead Men say, and we see what Trivium has become and how they're going to be progressing forward. And if like, there's a lot of folks who are the fans of the old, more thrashy stuff, so Ascendancy, um, even the, uh, Ascendancy, obviously Shogun, Ember to Inferno, and even then uh, bands like, or uh, albums like In Waves, which was fairly different for what they were doing at the time but like a lot of that would be considered like underneath old trivium in waves would be kind of like the bridge in between then we see that latter half which again in waves the in between but then we uh see albums like what the dead men say the sin in the sentence snow uh silence in the snow and um I don't know, the, the one that they did with David Draymond, that wasn't that great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even then, it, it was a, still a decent record. As The record was called Vengeance Falls. Oh, but we yeah. see that the rush into like this new era, um, and a lot of that is also tailored by the fact that Matt blew out his voice in 20, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. Okay. And what he ended up doing is he actually paired up with Matt Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold, his vocal coach, because Matt Shadows blew out his voice at some point, too. Mm-hmm. And pointed him into the, I forget the guy's name is Ron something, um, but who's a, his now now his vocal coach. Yeah. And it's it's changed his voice for the better. It used to always be this forced rasp, uh, kind of thing that we saw with a lot of hard rock and metal, and which is great in the meantime, but for longevity purposes, it's not the case. No. And so we see Matt having to do different vocal styles leading up to this point. Yeah. And we see how they've, how, how effective it's become and how his range has increased and how his screams are getting better and everything about it. And, uh, yeah, I love trivium. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but guys, thank you so much for listening to us ramble now for, a, a <laughs> we're at an time. hour and 20 minutes yeah, yeah. we're not going to be doing a hidden track this week just because we don't want to make this episode any longer than it is mm-hmm. um the things that we were going to bring up just so you can go listen to them on their own i was going to bring up the new of sulfur ep matt were you what were you going to bring up uh, i was actually going to talk about the new ice nine kills song uh called assault and batteries yeah so um, we do recommend coming record yeah so we do recommend checking those out um in the meantime we'll probably bring them up in a later episode uh just to make sure that we give them the due diligence mm-hmm. that they're that they've earned 
Um, but yeah, that is going to do it for this week. So please feel free to like and rate and subscribe us on iTunes, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon uh, Podcasts, and anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts. We are also available on a variety of social medias, including YouTube, TikTok, uh, not Twitter because Twitter is icky. But if you want to start beef, though, uh, definitely shoot us an email at tentaclebop at gmail.com. Let us know. We'll start some beef. We'll, let's, uh, you know, exchange yeah, we'll- some information and let's, uh, you know, expand our audiences. And by our audiences, we mean our audience and not yours because we have like three followers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then we're also available on Instagram and TikTok, all at TentacleBop. And uh, next week, we're going to be getting into some spicy stuff here. Um, yeah, Next week, we're going to be getting into the Slaughter to Prevail album that will be releasing upcoming here called Costalum. And then we're also going to be doing a little something special where we both uh, do the same hidden track on the new Lorna Short EP that's coming out. So you guys definitely want to check that out once that releases and be ready for it for us when we talk about that. But in the meantime, we will see you later. Catch you in the next one. Bye.